Hey friends, this is Indra from Family Karma Cast, and today we are going to replay an episode we recorded with actress, director, and screenwriter Sujata Day. We spoke to Sujata at the start of 2021, but you might have recently seen more about her because her movie, Definition Please, which she wrote, directed, and starred in, was recently released on Netflix and has received a lot of great attention, including a lovely write-up in the New York Times. Our conversation with Sujata last year was really fun and inspiring, and if you missed it, we're sure you'll love hearing it now. So thanks so much for tuning in, and please enjoy this episode with Sujata Day. Well, it's really nice to meet you, Sujata. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Of course. Thank you. You guys, too. Thanks for reaching out. Yeah, absolutely. And how is your new year going the first few days of 2021? Good, good. I mean, I've been working on a feature, so I'm very deep into writing right now. And that's going really well. I haven't been stressed about it at all. I've just taken like pretty much the whole break and I'll write like, three or four pages a day and then you get to that magical 90 you know wow is that usually like the number that you're looking for yeah yeah especially for um comedies you don't really want to go above 90 because no one's trying to read you know a comedy that's too long and so in going back to definition please when did you start working on that script i start well I guess you could say I went, I had a UCB sketch writing class in 2015, 2014 or so. And I I would say 2015, I was in a UCB sketch writing class. And in those classes, you are assigned to write a sketch every single week. And they're four page sketches, very clear, concise structure. And my idea for that sketch was, where are they now spelling bee winners? So I Googled all the spelling bee winners of the past and they're all doing great things and they're working at NASA and (laughs) robots. And so I, the button or the laugh of my sketch was that this one spelling bee winner grew up to not achieve anything at all. She was a loser. So I kind of wrote that sketch and put it away. And then in 2017, I would say middle of 2017, I started writing the full feature script idea of this spelling bee winner who grows up and hasn't achieved what she was meant to achieve. And it was all based on that premise in the sketch. I'm assuming the movie is like quite autobiographical in some ways. Actually, I'm not sure, but um, did you ever participate in spelling beads as a child? So it's not autobiographical, okay. but there are definitely moments that are pulled from real life, whether it's my life or my friends or families. And I did participate in my fourth grade spelling bee, <laughs> and I won the class spelling bee. Yeah. Wow. Well, there were 10 people in my grade. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're still a winner, baby. I'm still a winner. I definitely got one of those like small little trophies. Like, yes. Oh, it had like a B on it. And then I went to regionals and I lost in the first round on the word radish. And I spelled it oh. with two Bs instead of one. Yeah. Bummer. Do you remember what your winning word was in your classroom? 
You know what? I don't. But everyone always remembers their hmm. losing word. Oh, hmm. that's interesting. Something to say about that. I have a question because um, I'm always curious how people find out. Like, how did you first find out about UCB? And this can go back into like your history and acting and like. I don't know what UCB improv. is. Can we explain that? Oh, I'll yeah. let you explain. Upright Citizens Brigade. Okay. It was formed by a group of people. Amy Poehler was one of them. Yes. Okay. And were you in New York or LA? In LA. Okay. In LA. So I was getting, I was feeling sort of stunted in the regular scene study acting classes. Yeah. And, and I wanted to be freer and I wanted to, you know, I was, I was doing a lot of comedy, so it just made sense. And, and, and I actually went around to, a bunch of the schools in LA just to see what I would be into. Like I looked into groundlings, I looked into improv Olympic and UCB stood out to me because as I was going to see their shows, I noticed that they had a lot of women and of color on their stages. And so that was really exciting to me. And I was like, oh, they're showcasing these really funny women of color. Like I was seeing Nicole Byer on stage and mm-hmm. Sashir Zameda. And, Amazing. Um, my friend Eugene Cordero, he became one of my mm-hmm. teachers. And so I was just seeing a lot of really funny people of color. And so that pulled me towards Upright Citizens Brigade as opposed to the other schools. And not that I'm have anything against the other schools it was just like a personal preference and then I went through the whole improv program at UCB and that is acting only and then I went into the advanced program at UCB and then after that I I wanted to focus a little bit more on my writing side so I took the sketch one-on-one class and that was really that was really great yeah I I'm always interested to hear about the the improv culture because there is such a huge I don't want to say like cult surround like cult mentality, but th- it is such you're you're in, you're so ingrained in it. Do you agree? Yeah, I do, and it and it is for the best. I will say that when I was there, I was living, breathing, doing improv. I was taking classes at night and doing something called improv boot camp during the day, and when you're not doing practice groups, you're going to shows, you're hanging out with the people from your class. And I did about four or five years of that. And, and I actually, it was bittersweet because I, I left because I wanted to concentrate more on my writing. And, Mm -hmm. and I think it was a great decision, but I loved being at UCB. And it was such a learning growth experience that I always encourage everyone to do any kind of improv whichever school they decide to go to. Even if you're a non-actor, a lot of my writer friends go do improv classes. A lot of my friends who aren't in the business go do the improv classes just to kind of gain more confidence or be able to take more risks in whatever they're doing. So it's good for everybody. So um, we definitely want to talk about the movie, but I think... Um, one thing that I was really wondering about as I was watching it and kind of relating to aspects of the story is a South Asian American female growing up in the U.S. and all that. I was like, I would I really would love to m- know more about your personal background and 
growing up, how maybe aspects of your childhood fed into the movie. Um, and also, you know, for better or worse, it's uncommon to see South Asian women in Hollywood still, even still. <laughs> um, and so just curious to hear about, you know, how you forged a path to where you are now. Yeah. So I grew up in Greensburg, Pennsylvania, which is uh, an hour outside of Pittsburgh. And I think I had a pretty unique upbringing in that I went to a pretty white suburban high school slash middle school. But then there are three temples in our region. So I was hanging out with my Indian friends on the weekends and I was going to Parthnathyam dance classes on mm -hmm. Sunday with my friends, which is Indian classical dance. And I was going to Hindu summer camp in Lake Erie every year. And we would just be going to Indian parties all the time. So <laughs> I had a real true connection with my culture, but also, you know, had my other friends at school, but was hanging out with my Indian friends on the weekends. So I was really lucky in that I didn't have that, uh, that, oh, choosing between two cultures uh, dilemma that a lot of first generation Indian Americans have. And so when I was in middle school, high school is when I started to do musicals. And that's when I um, just caught the acting bug. I was like, this is great. I love singing. I love dancing. And this is so fun. And my parents would come to all my shows and bring flowers and come every night. And so that was really great. But on the other hand, I was also really good at math and science. <laughs> so I went to engineering school. I went to Case Western, got my engineering degree. But at the same time, I was still writing and acting and dancing. And I took a semester of playwriting. I took a semester of screenwriting. And then I interned at a company called Accenture. And that was right after I graduated. They moved me out to Los Angeles. And it was all part of the master plan of me going into entertainment as I was on salary for this consulting firm. And so I was a really bad Accenture employee. <laughs> and, and I would make all my phone calls, go to my cell phone. And in the meantime, I was going to acting class, meeting agents, auditioning, doing all that stuff. And then about a year into working at Accenture, I got laid off, which was actually great. Yeah. <laughs> because I got severance and unemployment. Mm -hmm. And I think about like eight to 10 months after that, I booked three national commercials in a row. Oh my, then, what commercials were those? What commercials were those? Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, one was Pontiac. Yes. One nice. One was a car. Huh. Strange. One was Pontiac. One was like a... Can I ask how a car audition goes? Like, are, is it just like we drive so, the car? Don't want to do. The, we don't want to do the ten and two in a car <gasps> audition. Okay, like, that will negate you right away because they're always like, just put your hand like at the bottom of the steering. That'll look cool. And, <laughs> and don't huh. look like you're driving a car like a crazy person. Yeah. 
And then now it's legit, you, I drive like this. Yeah, like, well, now you will know I drive ten in movies two. in car scenes. Sometimes the people do put it at ten and two, and they look crazy. Oh, okay. <laughs> and and they're like just shifting it back and forth. Yeah. Well, so I'm trying to think of the last scene since I watched it last night of Definition, please. When you were driving, yeah, you're you can't see your hands. I don't think you can. I don't think. I think your hands were down here. I was definitely driving. That was like you were new, driving. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it looked yeah. like you were driving. That wasn't like a green screen. <laughs> no, no, no. It didn't look. It looked like you were on an East Coast highway. Mm-hmm. Was that in the East Coast? Oh, yeah. We filmed yeah. it in my hometown in Greensburg. Oh, I was wondering if it was because it really looked like it. I actually have to ask because I feel like so I'm from the East Coast and I don't know if it's an East Coast thing or a small town thing or whatever. It's like you have your bar that you like can't wait to become of age to go to. <laughs> was that your bar that it was filmed in? Oh, this is what sad. do you have stories about those bar- that bar? <laughs> so the bar... Unfortunately, we couldn't get the first bar that we oh, want. Okay. We went, okay. We went, and it's called Toads. And we went to Toads. And, and they were excited. They were like, oh, yeah, cool. This is the date. And you're going to shoot at this time. And we're like, excited. My DP is there. My producers are there. We're looking. We're checking the place out, t- checking out our shots. Mm-hmm. And then the day before, I think my producer called them and was like, okay, so we're going to start loading in at whatever a.m. 8 a.m. 9 a.m. and they were like oh actually actually we booked a party not toads but they but they did it like I, I think they like didn't really they were like oh but you can come in like after the party and we're like oh. no no that's, I don't think they truly understood right wh- what filming meant that it would take all day and mm-hmm. you know, just, just the they pictured you to come in on your iPhone and be like, <laughs> yeah. an action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so that was really sad. But they they were really apologetic about it, and they were super cool. And and so we had to find a last minute bar. I really like the aesthetic of the second bar. It, it felt, felt really woody. Yes, it felt like that old school. Right, I know that bar. Like, we've, we've, we've all, all been, been drunk that in that bar. <laughs> we've all been drunk. I'm so glad you guys loved it. But yeah, that was that was like a situation where I was I bet. I believe it was like 6 p.m. or 7 p.m. I'm in the middle of shooting a scene with Ritesh who plays Sunny mm-hmm. and I'm directing it and I'm in it and it and then I get a text from Cam, my producer, being like, we lost the bar. And I was like, okay, Mm. so I didn't like show any emotion on my face. And I just went into the other room and started texting my friend who lived in Pittsburgh, if he knew anyone in Greensburg with another bar. And then he's like, Jason has a bar. And I was like, okay, cool. So then I texted Jason. He's like, yeah, you can come in whenever. And I was like, great. And we saved the situation in a matter of hours. And And I just... I want to stress that you wrote, directed, and starred in Definition, please, for and, people that... And produced it. And yeah, yeah, and so, so many questions about that. Like, is this your first time doing many of those things or maybe none of them? So I had a practice run in 2016. I made a short called Cowboy and Indian where Mm -hmm. I also produced, wrote, Mm -hmm. starred, and directed. And so that was a really great 
small version of what I did for Definition Please. And okay. when I came out of Cowboy and Indian, I was like, oh, that was really fun. And um, I had a great time and it, it didn't feel stressful. So I knew then that I wanted to do it for a feature as well. Do, but I'm assuming it was kind of a different beast just because you're going from a less than 10 minute feature to a 90 minute movie or more. Right. Um, were there a lot of situations kind of like the bar situation that just came up out of nowhere and you just had to like pivot and figure it out? There were, yeah, there were different situations like that. But I think as long as the person who's in charge, which is me, as long as you stay pretty neutral and you don't show your frustration or your stress to the rest of right. the cast and crew, then everyone stays cool. And for me, it's like, okay, so we have a problem. Let's just try to solve the problem mm -hmm. as yeah. opposed to mulling over it and getting mad at people or blaming anyone. Because in the indie film situation, you can't really put the blame on anyone because nobody's, uh, because it's, it's a team. Right. Um, it's a team collaboration. Is there someone that you've worked with before that you were like, whether it was a teacher or um, a director, producer that you were like, I really like the way they handle stress and I'm going to try to emulate that. I definitely had two of my favorite directors from Insecure were Tina mm -hmm. and Debbie Reynolds. Mm -hmm. And they just exuded confidence yet also um, were very nurturing in a very motherly way that was nice and um, calming and made you want to do your best. And so both of them, I, I, I've kept them in mind in terms of who I want to emulate when I'm directing, especially. Yeah. yeah, I think keeping calm in a situation like that, that's such a like important leadership quality that I think goes across any industry that anyone is in is like that well ability. and I think it's interesting because it's um okay and I'm on the outside looking in of like things I read about Hollywood it's like I, I I read articles about these men that are allowed to lose their tempers in films and like just do uh ex like just show unprofessional behavior um behavior you know, and of course, the women on set are going to, you know, be stand up employees or, or like, you know, do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, I definitely hope that that is starting to change because right. there's so many people who are calling out this kind of behavior. So I really hope that people who do their job well and prove it on the screen and you know, actors and cast and crew talk about how much fun they have on being right. on set. But I just hope that people understand that that's all super important too. Yeah, I'm thinking about uh, Tom Cruise's most recent COVID-19. Which we can go into, <laughs> which we won't because we don't want a certain in certain organization on top of us. No, right now, no, but... but um, um, yeah, or just even directors, like just huge directors just screaming or actors and obviously they have they're in powerful positions but I, I I look forward to hearing more of what you're saying yeah 
kind well, of in the narrative. I, I definitely feel like I treat my actors and cast and crew the way that I would like to be treated. Yeah. And I know that, like I said, when Tina and Debbie were on set and I was like, oh my gosh, I just felt so safe mm-hmm. and taken care of. Mm-hmm. And um, the best of my acting ability was going to come out in that kind of setting. So that's that's all I tried to, you know, that's how I want my environment to be. Yeah. So definition, please. Um, when I was watching it, like there was a lot of um, there's a lot of like like linguistic choices beyond the like vocab words and stuff. But like Hindi words that you and I would know growing up in the Indian culture, like Dada and Baba and things like this, that. I noticed you didn't take the time to explain that to a white audience or a non-Indian audience, which I actually thought was really cool. And I thought if that was like an intentional choice to kind of just represent it how it is and let people kind of like marinate in it and figure it out for themselves, I guess. Yeah, that was definitely an intentional choice. I, as an actor, I audition for a lot of stuff and I'm reading a lot of scripts and when I see something like she eats a samosa, it's a fried triangle filled with potatoes and peas. I'm like, wow. Okay. Stop yeah. Explaining this. It's a fried it's triangle. Person. That is, that's tough to hear as a white person. I couldn't even imagine. Let the person Google a samosa. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Yeah. So, so stuff like that, you know, I, I didn't want to take the time to, explain because I I hope that my audience is smart and you know maybe they don't get it right away the reference but throughout the movie you start to kind of settle in to what you're watching and you just start to get it it's like if we're watching you know I've been watching Bengali soap operas being at home <laughs> or, or even I don't know Hindi and I'm I'm fluent in Bengali, but not Hindi. So we'll be watching some Bollywood movie. And I don't, I can't understand what's going on, but I know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that was something that I did very intentionally where I just didn't feel like explaining things to who I initially thought I, I was making. I wanted to make this for South Asian American families and South Asian American, you know, kids who grow up here and they'll know what that is. And, and I enjoy watching movies about other cultures. Mm -hmm. And when I watch those movies, I don't even enjoy when they're explaining things to me. So, you know, I just watched lovers rock on Amazon and and Mm -hmm. just given to us, you know, you just watch the visuals and nothing is explained and you still get what's going on and it's gorgeous. So I love that kind of writing and filmmaking. Well, actually, I have a question to ask both of you. Um, So mental illness was a big part of the film. And um, Justin said, like, what is usually the norm in South Asian families of dealing with someone with mental illness? I mean, you don't talk about it. That's what I've seen growing up. You don't talk about it. You you kind of whisper about it if it's Mm -hmm. not your family you're like oh well you don't want to you know talk to Anand about that or you know yeah so it's definitely not talked about um especially in boys and men it's seen as a weakness 
Right. And that's the thing that, um, just because, um, so I, I said I was, I'm white, you know, and, um, I'm learning a lot about South Asian culture through this podcast. And it's interesting how it, it does highlight in the movie, how you're right. Men are just kind of up here and I'm not saying women are down here, but like the boy is kind of like the, 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 the not holy one but like the one that well, how would you say it like what would you say the boy is in a I'd South Asian family perhaps preferred yeah. yeah would you say is that the right word yeah yeah and I think it was interesting that you gave Sonny like he had the mental illness and how was it writing his character because I I I'm assuming it was challenging and did you have to tread lightly when writing on it? And how much research did you do? I definitely grew up around specifically Indian American kids that had mental illness. Mm -hmm. And also it's in my extended family. So writing that character wasn't very difficult for me. Sometimes with some of the medications and the terms, mm -hmm. I would research those. And I would there's certain groups online for uh Indian Americans seeking mental help. So I, was, I would look at those. And when I got into writing the script, it kind of just flowed. And, and I knew how I wanted the mental illness to be perceived and seen. I didn't want it to be some, you know, wild, uh, crazy out there thing. And I wanted to, I wanted it to be an everyday experience of Sunny living with mental illness and then also of Jaya and Monica dealing with it in their own separate ways. Indra, have you had experience with, yeah. maybe you don't want to share on this podcast, but like no, I, what you've seen? My, um, my dad's youngest brother actually committed suicide. Um, oh my gosh, his... I'm so sorry. Oh yeah, I mean, I never met him. I think it was before I was born. But the crazy thing is, is I didn't find out about that until I was like a teenager. Like we like to keep secrets. Nobody wanted to like, honestly, I don't even know how I found out. I can't remember. But if they could have kept it a secret for me for my entire life, they would have. Yeah, and, I'm not surprised about any of that. Yeah, it was a very it still is a very like kind of taboo conversation and um, that's always felt strange to me because it's like, well, can we honor, you know, my uncle's mm. life? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that there has been more of a push for that amongst his other siblings, my dad and my other uncle and aunt. But it's um, it's absolutely a taboo um, thing. And I think it is in other cultures as well. But um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was really great to kind of see that topic being addressed um, so outright and, like you said, making it into this, like, everyday thing that is, like, a very real thing that not just Indian families deal with, like, families everywhere deal with, um, you know, especially bipolar disorder. A lot of people deal with that. So that was really mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. Uh, so what were like some of the other very intentional choices that you made about representing South Asian culture? I know that's a big question, but if there is <laughs> anything that you think of like that you that stands out to you, I guess. 
Yeah, I feel like I sprinkled it in throughout the film. You know, I love masala lace chips. I've been eating them my entire break. We got them from Patel Brothers, the grocery store (laughs) in the movie. Shout out to Patel Brothers. Shout out. That was a nice Indian grocery store. Right? Yeah. So that's a real place is what you're saying. In Murraysville, Pennsylvania. And they, it's basically an Indian Trader Joe's. It's so nice. And um, they were they were so great. They just let us come in there and shoot in the morning before all their customers came in. And um, I also love thumbs up. So I wanted mm-hmm. to put a little thought up to thumbs up. In well, there. that was something that I discovered that I'm excited to dip my toe into. <laughs> when we go to India, Deanna, someday. I'm just going to, I am you're gonna get I'm a ready thumbs for up. thumbs up. It, I didn't realize what was missing in my white life. It's also spelled thumbs without a B. No B. No B. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like my favorite thing about it. It's so is it really? So what is it? It's 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 coffee and like the high of if you drink a coffee and Coke. So it's it's got no coffee flavor. It definitely tastes like a Coke, mm-hmm. but I believe there's more caffeine in it because I, I can is... remember drinking it in India and being like so wild. <laughs> <laughs> yes, totally. I. I think the thing that like spoke to me the most was like um, the younger girls in it at the spelling bee, like the person who played Monica as a younger child, but then also the girl that you were tutoring older, who was when you were older. I just love that like she had the mustache, she had the unibrow, <laughs> like she was just like, I'm... I was like, I feel so seen right now. <laughs> and... You know, it's something that like there are more representations of South Asian, the South Asian community in film and TV and things like that these days. But that felt this whole movie felt a little bit more real to me on many levels. And, um, you know, you saying that you wanted it for you made it for the South Asian American community really makes sense to me. Like it. I absolutely felt that as a member of the South Asian American community. And how did you find those two little girls who were so adorable? <laughs> yeah, so Aisha was my my parents uh, my parents' friend's daughter, and and the son, the younger brother, Sonny character, was her brother. Okay. So yeah. So they just uh, sent me their picture, and I was like, "Great, done." <laughs> <laughs> well, they could act. Um, but Asia was awesome. She memorized that, uh, that spelling bee, you know, the spelling opening sequence and just did it over and over with, with no hesitation. She was really great. I was really impressed with her. And then the girl who plays Pyle, Maya Kapoor, um, she was also really great. She actually had done some acting in her school. She's from LA. She's very, she's actually very sophisticated. <laughs> her demeanor though was perfect. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, but she was she was really great. And it was funny when we were doing her wardrobe and the costumer would call me and was like, so she has a lot of like sophisticated black, gray and white clothes and that's all she has. And so, <laughs> and so we had to like go out to, you know, like a limited two or something and get her some colorful stuff. Yeah. To, make her look her age in in the film um but she was she was really great too they were both 
you know, just ready and prepared. And with Maya, we had a couple of rehearsals in LA with her where I was just doing improv stuff because I didn't, especially with kids, I don't, I don't know how other directors do this, but I didn't want them getting stuck in the way of saying their words. Like I just trusted that she would know her lines when she got to set. And we just did played a lot of improv games and, um, that was really good and fun. We just got to know each other. I want to talk. So I read this article, this interview you did, and you were talking about seeing um, like brown girls in audition rooms. And I was wondering, you said it's kind of changed over the years that you've been in Hollywood. Do you see it? Obviously, you ha- maybe haven't been in audition, auditioning a lot. Do you audition a lot during COVID? So it's been really oh it's it's zoom auditions oh okay zoom producer sessions where you're doing it to zoom but they're watching you and they're not you know their cameras aren't on so you can see like 10 people are there but oh yeah oh my god one time i mean this was like two months ago they the casting director was like okay so i'm gonna turn my camera off and i was like who am I acting with? I know. Oh. Like, oh, you're just gonna, you know, I'm just gonna say the words, and you just pick a point in your room to to act. And I was wow. like, oh. that is yikes. So, so that is that was kind of like, mm, I mean, I did not book the job. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering. It's like the stuff that you audition for. Is it like we need a South Asian young? woman or is it just like we just need a woman you know for this role you know what it's a healthy mix of both uh I really enjoy both you know if if something is written really well for a South Asian woman I get really excited and I text everybody about it I'm like <laughs> oh my god this is, a, this is a good script I get really I actually get really shocked um but I also audition for the oh this is you know there's no ethnicity mm-hmm. specific ethnicity needed for this role and those are really fun too because then you can kind of just make it your own or who you are so yeah th- th- it goes both ways yeah I was actually wondering about that in terms of your character on Insecure so your character is part of the nonprofit that Issa is a part of in like the first two seasons, maybe, right? That three seasons. Three seasons. Okay. So it's called yeah, You Got Y'all and it has a lot of issues with like Yeah, what is that thing called again? I always so, forget the name. We got y'all. We, we got, got y'all. And it's yeah, like the, the logo is like a white hand holding up like children. Oh. It's like yeah, very problematic. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very great. problematic. And that's like a whole thing about it. Is that like... And for those listeners that haven't watched Insecure, it's amazing. It's so And good. we're not just tooting its horn because we have one of the actresses from it on it. It's such a good It's such show. a good it's show. I'm not, even, I'm not even on the show anymore. And I love it. And I think it's yes, amazing to watch it. And even the last season that I wasn't on, I think was one of the best seasons. Yeah. Yes. I'm in Agreed. the middle of it right now, actually. But... Yeah, I so like the organization has a lot of issues with like white saviorism and stuff like that. And you're on staff there and you work with Issa. And from what I remember, like other than Issa, you're the only other person of color in those like staff meetings. Is that right? Am I right about that? I think on the 
physically it looks like that, but Catherine Kavari uh-huh. is also one of our fellow co-workers and she's Iranian. Oh, I don't okay. Know, sometimes, okay. Sometimes mm-hmm. she looks, you know, yeah. white-ish. So, Okay. Yeah. So I was just wondering about like, when they cast you for that role, were they looking for a South Asian woman or were they looking for a person of color or like, how did that kind of come together? Because I thought it was interesting to have like this organization that's struggling with white saviorism, but they do have people of color on staff. Like that tension is really important. And I thought the show explored it really well. And you were obviously a part of that. So I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Yeah, I didn't audition for Insecure oh, because okay. I, was, I was on Awkward Black Girl. Right, Eva. that's okay. right, okay. that's right. <laughs> so she just texted me and was like, hey girl, like there's a role for you in my pilot. It's it's not a huge role now, but it'll you know be recurring and you'll come back. Mm-hmm. And she was like, do you want to come in and shoot it? And I was like, yeah, of course. <laughs> So, so that was kind of how I got the role, and she knew me. So I've I've known Issa since um, twenty ten. Okay, yeah. And so, how did you guys connect then? Through Twitter. Oh, what? So, so I just, I had just left Facebook, and you know I was ahead of my time leaving. Facebook. <laughs> yes. And, um, and I was like, well, I don't have Facebook, so I need a new social media. And I was like, what's this Twitter thing? Nobody was on Twitter, and I was like, I'll just make a Twitter and see what happens. And then uh, a couple, I don't know, a couple months later, uh, I there I start following a group called Film TV Diversity. And they would tweet out directors and writers and producers and people who were doing stuff. And so I would pretty much follow anyone that they would tell me to follow. And then Issa was one of them. And uh, she tweeted out a couple days after I followed her, um, hey, I'm looking for a mixed looking girl to play my best friend on a web series. And I wrote to her and I said, I'm not mixed, but this is what I look like. She's like, all right, come on in. So then I went to her house for an audition. And a couple hours later, she was like, you got the role. And Oh, my gosh. And that was really funny because it was like not getting paid. Yeah. Like, right. Just, you know, I, I showed up um, at her dad's doctor's office in Inglewood to shoot our first scene. <laughs> and, and it was like her brother holding a camera with a microphone on the camera and her. And then we shot the scene in like 20 minutes and she was like, thank you so much. And I was like, okay. And then I left and I was like, what did I get myself into? Yeah. And then- Were the, the, wait, was the for initial cause episodes up of the web series or were oh, they not up? Awkward black girl, two whole seasons are on YouTube. But were they, when you shot it, were, were the initial episodes up? Because what episode were you in? I came in episode Three, I believe. Okay. And I had my hallway scene in episode three. And the first two episodes, I believe I had not seen yet. Okay. And then she started putting them up. And I was like, hmm, this is interesting. And, Mm -hmm. you know, YouTube wasn't really YouTube at that time either. And then we just started, you know, shooting every weekend. And the other actors were just friends of hers from Stanford and then it blew up. 
Yeah. Well, I think what's amazing about you and Issa is like you're creating your own content for yourself to like flex your creative muscles. Yeah, which is like, I think that's an important story for people to hear. Yeah. That like, you know, you can tell yeah. your own story. Well, yeah, because I, I, I watched Issa during, you know, those first two seasons of Aqua Black Girl. She was putting the web series on her credit cards and maxing yeah. out the credit cards. And so that that was not a question for me in terms of doing definition, please. Mm-hmm. When there's so many people around you in Hollywood telling you, the worst thing you can do is put your own money into your movies or your TV shows or right. your shorts, always get money from other people. And I was like, no, yeah. what? Yeah. Like, yeah. like who, who else is going to invest in you more than yourself? Mm-hmm. And so that was never a question for me in terms of doing my own stuff. And putting- so what was your budget for the film? I'm really going to say, say budget. I'm really budget. <gasps> <laughs> what was what was the what was um the thing what did that... it look like how much how much money did it look like we i don't even know 50 million dollars like... <laughs> yes yes that was the budget it looked like a 50 million dollar <laughs> production <laughs> it was like a little less than wonder woman 1980 okay that's what i was okay, thinking that's... i was like well there's what i was thinking wonder woman and then i was thinking transformers and i was like <laughs> It's not that it's not quite that high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you guys are correct. <laughs> I know. I mean, obviously, it looked like really big budget, but um were you relying a lot on like places to like friends of places to stay and like Well, we actually no, we actually had a budget. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, and so uh we we reached that budget through, you know, a lot of investors and financiers and myself and friends and family. And uh we put people up in a pretty decent hotel nice. that everyone was happy to stay at. And I we, love hotels so much. Yeah, hotels are fun. Aren't they great? Yeah, there was there's actually a Hampton Inn. Yeah, and it was only three years old, so it just felt like a new oh. hotel. And oh, was there a pool? Like a dream. It sounds <laughs> so like being in a hotel room. Right I didn't spend much time there, and I'm not sure if there was a pool or not because I just mm-hmm. stayed at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, which is yeah. so awesome. I love that it was in your hometown. Yeah, yeah, it was really special. So now that the movie was released last year, and um. I think I heard, is it going to be available on streaming platforms or maybe you can't talk about that? I can't talk about it just okay, yet. Okay. We're okay. talking to a bunch of different people and we'll see what happens. But yeah, right now we're doing the festival circuit, which has been really fun. And it's been interesting to see how festivals have been pivoting in mm-hmm. terms of COVID mm-hmm. and uh, the virtual festivals have been really great. We've been doing panels for them via Zoom, and they've really made us feel um, like we're a part of the festival. And then we can oh, good. watch all the other movies and support the other filmmakers. So that's been really great. I mean, obviously, I wish we could have traveled to Hawaii because no. we got into Hawaii <laughs> Film Festival. Oh, or, yeah. Yeah, we, we got into a film festival in Montreal. And oh, now, my gosh. Oh, you know, I just I just wanted to go to all these places. And we got into a bunch of film festivals in Pennsylvania, and I would have loved to have yeah. been yeah. in the audience for those. And so that, that was a little bit, you know, a bummer, mm-hmm. but... 
but they are making it work. And I obviously don't want to put anyone in danger, you know, I yeah. want to yeah. healthy and safe. And so just been adapting to the current situation. And so what are your, I mean, I know you are, you, you have so many talents, so many interests, um, while definition please is still kind of moving and shaking, I'm sure it sounds like you have other projects in the work too. Is there anything on the horizon that you want to talk about? Yeah, I I mean I finished writing a feature this summer, so that's out to some actors and I'd like to shoot that. That's actually a film that we could possibly shoot in if we quarantined at a certain place. Mm-hmm. We just shot it. Um, so that's out to a couple actors and then I'm working on another feature right now, like I said, and then I have two shows. So I have a show that's at a studio that's in development and we're attaching, you know, showrunner director to, and then, um, I have another show at a production company where we'll take that out to pitch, um, soon, probably January, February. So it's a new year and, um, you know, can you talk to maybe someone listening that wants to get their hustle on <laughs> and like like because you obviously you're, you're you are doing hustling. things you're creating <laughs> and and I think it's like you know people want to do maybe what you do or have your hustle in in like their own lives and what they're doing I think one of the biggest things to think about is don't wait for perfection to make your move so even with when I was doing my short film in 2016, I was like, you know, I'm going to allow myself to fail. I'm going to let myself, you know, make huge mistakes on this. And actually it all turned out pretty great. Yeah. And so I did the same thing for definition, please. I was like, this is my first feature. I'm going to allow myself to fail and learn from the mistakes. And, you know, in my second feature, I'll just do a better job. And so I think a lot of us don't want to put something out less than perfect. And that's just the wrong um, point of view to take because it's just all about creating and putting it out there. And you never know what's going to catch someone's attention. And it might not be something that goes viral or you know, gets a bunch of views, but, but something else could happen out of it. Like I, I did a web series called Larry and Lucy that nobody has seen, nobody knows about. <laughs> but I got, I got a manager through that. Mm-hmm. So wow. point to it, you know? So I would just say, just keep, um, just keep creating and keep putting stuff out, even if it doesn't seem perfect and allow yourself to fail. Yeah. I mean, there's so much content out there of all different kinds that like being I've I've personally been paralyzed in creative pursuits by wanting things to be perfect. And I think that, you know, with this podcast, even it's been just like, Mm -hmm. let's just do it. Let's just put it out there, see what happens. And it's been really fun to see how it's grown and stuff like that. Um, And just like the feedback you get. Yeah. Of the projects you have coming up, um, is there like, I mean, Definition Please was so wonderful. Again, this like love letter to the South Asian community. Is there anything similar like that coming down the pike for you? Or is the I content? Mean, everything is about Indian Americans, everything that I write. So yes, wonderful. <laughs> Yay. So uh, look out for those projects. Yes, we'll be reviewing all of them. <laughs> yes, and I, you are, you're amazing. And it, 
just, you're really inspiring. So I think it's so important. Like I, I didn't realize this before, but I'm so glad you were our first guest in 2021. Mm -hmm, Me too. Because you are doing your thing. Yeah. I, I have been, you know what? I've been inspired by so many people that have helped me along the way, including Issa and, and Matthew Cherry. He just won an Oscar and I was in his film that premiered at South by Southwest a couple years ago. And he did that on his own. Mm -hmm. And, Tracy Oliver, who wrote Girls yeah. Trip and is, you know, show running her own show right now. And so I have just been inspired by all these people that I've worked with that I hope to inspire others. That's that's the main goal, you know, to inspire others to write their own stories and tell them and know that there is an audience out there for those specific stories. Yeah, absolutely. There is. And um we're just like really excited about it. So. Yeah, and th- and and the, your movie was amazing. And yeah. thank you so much for sharing it with us. And I really can't wait to see what you're doing. Yeah, what, what what comes out? How can people so like much. follow what you're up to? And what's the best way for them to like see what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. So I'm on all the social medias at Sujata Day, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I have a fan page on Facebook. I know I <laughs> oh, excuse me. Excuse me. My personal page. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Definition Please also has its Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So you can definitely follow along Def- Definition Please to see um, where we land. Mm. I'm so excited. Very wow. exciting. And-, and I know you're going to land like somewhere soft and hard at the same time. <laughs> you know Ooh, I what I mean? That. I like yes. that. Prediction. It's going to be so soft and so hard. <laughs> it's going to hit this earth. <laughs> that's, that's a cool, that's a cool premonition. I will accept that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Shujata. And good luck with everything in 2021. We thank you. We can't wait to see uh, all the great projects that you have that you're working on. Thank you guys so much. This was really fun. Yes, it was Thank so fun. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Family Karma Cast. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. And support the podcast by becoming a subscriber to our Patreon page. When you do, you'll get access to our weekly Thirsty 30 Bravo TV and pop culture chats and more. Find out more at patreon.com slash family karma cast with a K.